to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Aidan Bourne, and welcome to the Construction Big Breakfast. Today, we'll be diving in and looking at urban regeneration projects and the ways in which public and private sectors can work together to bring about positive, transformative change. Joining me today is our special guest, James. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Would you like to give the listeners a little introduction? Yeah, hi, James Felstead. I'm a director at Charles Grant Lewis uh, with Architects. Very good. Now, James, before we get into it, first question, as always. Uh, what did you have for breakfast? Yeah, I, I'm a creature of habit when it comes to breakfast. Okay. Um, so I like lots of things, but I've worked out that my body likes one thing. Right. And that one thing is muesli. Right. As long as I have muesli, I can have anything else afterwards. <laughs> but if it doesn't get muesli, then it, it is it sort of it's unhappy. So that's what I start the day with. Bit of fruit. Yeah. No, Trying to keep it healthy. Very and then good. I can sort of eat croissants and whatever after that. <laughs> Well, as some of the listeners know, I, I was in Scotland for a long time and I still haven't changed my way, so I'm uh, yeah still on porridge, porridge, porridge and yeah. blueberries. Yeah. yeah, I've not managed to make the porridge bridge, but you know, there you go. <laughs> well, look, thanks for joining us. No, not at all. We're, we're really happy to have you here. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the practice and, yeah, and the sure. type of work that you do? Yeah, so um, I guess we're a kind of mid-sized firm. We've been going quite a while now and... Um, you know, a lot of the work that we do now is characterised as mixed use, but we've been doing that for probably a bit longer than, than many. Yeah. Uh, and I think the mix of uses is broader than quite a few other sort of practices, and we have some sort of unique elements. Um, for instance, you know, we have a strong history on the kind of retail side as well okay. as the sort of housing-led side. Um, so for a long while, I think as a practice, we were a bit schizophrenic perhaps in that way. These were two disparate things, but... <laughs> You know, particularly the work we're doing and the sort of work that you see coming forward in city centres now, um, all of those elements are seen as much more important. How they work together is is kind of, you know, key to success. You look at something like King's Cross or yeah. know, projects like that. That ground floor experience is really key. So, you know, those are the sorts of things we're interested in. Like the cities, neighbourhoods, what makes things livable, what makes them work. Yeah. Um, you know, we were interested in all of the kind of layers of the onion, not just kind of, you know, one thing, offices or schools or just housing. Yeah. You know, I think we're really interested in how all those things come together. Um, and I think, you know, the last year, COVID has sort of highlighted lots of things. Um, city centres, you know, I mean, I think it's, it, that was a weird sort of space when they kind of fell silent. <laughs> and so... You know, maybe for, I mean for me certainly kind of highlighted the need for diversity of 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 activity in yeah. city centres, not just places for people to work. Yeah. And so we're you know we're really passionate, excited about projects that involve those kinds of things. Yeah, interesting. And uh, when you're talking about housing and retail, you know we've got two different clients there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, but not always. Yeah. Um, you know, and increasingly we've got projects where. You've got a whole ream of different kind of elements and it's you know lots of stakeholders but one client yeah. and so it's kind of how you bring all those things together you know we delivered a project in Paddington recently for Westminster which is you know a tower block with housing yeah. but a secondary school a church some shops 
you know, that's quite a sort of, you know, unique mix of things and a yeah. bang in the city centre. Yeah. Um, but effectively one client, but obviously lots of stakeholders. Yeah. So that brings challenges, but for us is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you are working on private and, and public jobs, I mean, I think when we spoke off air, you, you mentioned kind of the different challenges of, of each of those and how sometimes you can pull them across yes yeah I mean I think um, the practice sort of came from a background of probably like most architectural practices started off doing kind of you know residential stuff for individuals for households and and we sort of you know progressed from there Um, and I guess there was a time we were sort of you know many hats and we would try hand at anything Um, and perhaps for a while we sort of didn't really have a kind of an identity or you know clear idea of what we were about but I think maybe that diversity of work actually gave us a really good grounding for sort of where we are now. I can look back now with hindsight and sort of understand that. But there was, there was a sort of conscious point at which we sort of, we were doing all this work for sort of private commercial clients, which is great. Yeah. But we sort of realised that there was a whole sort of piece of the jigsaw that we weren't involved with. So we made sort of conscious effort to try and get involved with local authorities and housing associations and so on. And, you know, over time had some success with that. So that was great. Yeah. I think what that's given us now is a sort of understanding of, to a degree, of both worlds. And so on some of these sort of larger mixed-use regeneration projects, which, you know, we absolutely excited to be doing, you know, they're so, so exciting. Um, they're often partnerships in terms of the clients. Yeah. Local authorities have the land, they have a strategic vision, but they need a commercial partner to help them deliver that. Yeah. So I think sometimes our role is slightly to translate between those two worlds. You know, you, we, we understand the commercial client and their drivers and their needs, um, what they're trying to get out of a project, the sort of way in which they'll look to get from step A to step B. Um, but similarly, we understand the sort of local authorities' viewpoint, their political aims, yeah. the way in which they make decisions is very different to a commercial organisation. So I think we can play a role sometimes in kind of translating almost between those two positions. And actually make it happen. Yeah, I mean that that's the key, isn't it? You know, we can all have these great visions or, you know, local authorities, you know, we're gonna do X and do Y and these big yeah. strategic claims, but you've got to kind of how do you how do you move that forward? How do you deliver yeah. on it? I think you've seen a lot of that with local authorities. They have big kind of housing programmes. Like we're gonna deliver so many thousand jobs, uh, jobs or homes or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, but then seeing the projects take forward can take a long time. Mm. So I think being able to help unlock those opportunities—that's—that's that's, that is something that we can bring to the party. I think. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And you—you you, you mentioned before about working beyond the red line. I mean, what? How does that work? What does that look like? Yeah. So I think, and one of the things we found um, particularly interesting with this kind of um, type of work is—is is that wider set of considerations and opportunities. Yeah. So, you know, commercial clients will have uh, normally a very defined set of kind of goals that they're looking to, to reach. Um, but often they're kind of, they're, their opportunities are limited by their ownership. So even if they want to do more beyond, they're perhaps limited by the fact that they only own a parcel of land. So they're, 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 they can't exert influence beyond that. Yeah. So it kind of becomes a more interesting proposition often in these partnerships or working directly for local authorities because you know they have 
greater ownership, often you'll be working on a site, but they might own half of the sites or more around. Um, and also they have a whole range of different objectives. So you might have some very specific objectives in that project you're looking to deliver on. But if you've got an understanding of what else they're trying to do, then you'll see opportunities to help deliver on that. So there's a project we're doing up near um, the uh, Grand Union Canal, um, sort of on Harrow Road. And, you know, the main sort of aim of the brief is to re-deliver some community facilities, some workspace, some housing. But actually, as much a part of the project is the landscaping of public realm. And so... You know, that's partly sort of delivering something for existing communities. Yeah. So they get something out of the project. It's partly looking at um, transport connections. You know, there's, there's really strong uh, cycling and pedestrian routes east-west along the canal. Yeah. But the routes into that sort of amenity or facility are, are quite constrained by the site. So we're going to open all of those things up. So I think those are the kinds of things that, you know, the kind of opportunities that come forward. So... Um, you know, I guess the council can take a longer term view on things as well. Yeah. And occasionally you do get that with certain kind of commercial clients. So we've worked with some of these states before. Yeah. And again, they can kind of bring that sort of philosophy. So I think wherever you can do that, it unlocks different opportunities. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that sounds like it's feeding back into your practice as well in terms of the, the diversity of your workforce and, and how you're, you're trying to help the... Yes, yeah. I think I think um, we were talking about this before before off air, and I think that um, you know partly it's kind of fed by the work that we've done, um, making you perhaps think about things in a different way, making things more visible. I think you know working on those kinds of projects where there's a wider sort of group of stakeholders that you're delivering for, yeah, that does bring into question who you've got working on the project yourself, you know, and what perspective do they bring? So, um, you know, I'm very conscious, in effect, I'm potentially part of the problem here as a middle-aged white guy, Um, but there's a lot of us in the property industry. Um, You know, it's been interesting post-COVID going back to big events, conferences and so on, it really sort of brings home just how far we've got to go as an industry. So I think... You know, we're keen to do what we can. Um, and sometimes it's just small steps and doing stuff individually. Yeah. So, um, for instance, I mentioned the school project in Paddington. Yeah. So we've done sort of lots of follow-up things with the school, working with them, uh, careers guidance uh, and so on. I've got a session with them later this week. Yeah. Um, we've done sort of activities with various mentorship programmes, so yeah. things like Social Mobility Foundation, okay. Stephen Lawrence Trust. Um, you know, had people go from sort of A levels all the way through university education qualification, working with us, you know, so first footsteps on the yeah. career, and that's really rewarding. You know, yeah. you've made a positive change to somebody's yeah. life, yeah. even if just a small way. So, yeah. I think we're looking at the small steps we can take. Um, you know, when we go and speak to schools, I'm very conscious about who I send from the office. Yeah, you know, it's often not me. Yeah. You know, because I think people need to see that there's there's a route in for them. That's the right, yeah, it's the right decision though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, wherever we can make those sort of small steps individually, that's that's kind of something that we we'll yeah. want to do. Um, and what, what do these mentorships look like? What does, because I think quite a lot of your workforce are involved in that, aren't they? Yeah, we've got pretty good um, 
pretty good take-up. I think uh, each of the different programmes works slightly differently. Okay. So um, we've been involved with some um, where you work for a set period of time, okay. you're assigned to somebody. Normally yeah. it's kind of an online sort of platform. We'll look to supplement it with work experience or, yeah. or time in the office if we can. So we tend to do that. Um, Social Mobility Foundation one, I think that runs over a year, but then you have the opportunity to continue. Okay. So it's both sides, you know, yeah. feel it's going positively. Yeah. Um, some of them work more with a group, so we do some stuff with universities. Um, so it's a slightly older age range. Yeah. So we try and kind of tailor depending on kind of who who the mentees or are, yeah. what age they're at, you know, what are their decisions that they're wrestling with or need help with at that point in time. Yeah. So it might be around deciding which options you can take at GCSEs. Yeah. Yeah. It might be about how you apply to university and what your portfolio needs to look like. Yeah. Or when you're at university, it might be about kind of navigating some of the challenges of that. Yeah how you deal with difficult tutors or a situation yeah. <laughs> or yeah. all those things that I'm sure, yeah. you know, lots of us kind of experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And and those students that are making it through and coming back into your practice must add a huge amount of value because they have quite a unique take on Yes. I think I think you know, I mean I think we, we're a relatively small company, you know, yeah. between forty and fifty people typically. So your kind of sense of identity as a culture, uh, as a company, that kind of culture is really important. Yeah. Um, and those kinds of histories, they bring a depth to that yeah. kind of connection between you and your members of staff that's difficult to replicate in another way. There's a sense yeah. of loyalty both ways, I think, that, that runs a lot deeper. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, May V, who was the first mentee I worked with on the Social Mobility Foundation. She okay. was the lady who, you know, I started with, I think she was like 15 or 16, oh, wow. and she went all the way through qualification, yeah. came and worked for us, um, you know, did work experience and then worked for us for two or three years. She's gone back to Manchester, where she's from, okay. post-COVID, she decided yeah. to relocate back up there. And, you know, her leaving was quite a sad moment for both of us in a way but also it was kind of it was great because it sort of felt like well you know we've we've helped somebody we've got a lot from it ourselves along yeah. the way um and there was a genuine connection i think that will remain so i'm sure yeah. you know she will always remember her time with chakra and yeah. you know, we'll always remember her so i think we're interested in those kind of connections i yeah. think those are the things that make your job worth doing yeah 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 but i mean that's the the nice way to end the story really isn't it like it's it's, it's gone through a cycle and, yes and they've moved home and they can have a positive impact on on their area yeah and i think you know so what's interesting is these things feed back so you know maybe you know she really took up the mantle with the mentorship within the office with social okay. mobility foundation yeah. and i have no doubt she will take that into the practice that she's gone to now yeah so maybe they weren't doing something with them but yeah. i bet they will be within a year yeah so you know these little seeds hopefully kind of spread into bigger things and everybody kind of moves it on a step that's yeah. the idea yeah and um, the, the kind of primary school uh, workshops or yeah. what, what, what does that look like? So, I mean, often those are sort of feeding into existing programmes. So, okay. you, you, do you know Open House? The, yeah. The sort of thing? So, yeah. So that organisation, they run something called Architecture in Schools. Okay. Um, that's a really interesting programme. So you get kind of paired with a normally year five class. Okay. You do building visits, you go and do workshops with them. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just really interesting to 
I think the built environment is not something that features particularly in the education curriculum. So, yeah. um, but it impacts all our lives. And you know, people are generally pretty interested in it once you yeah. sort of give them a routine. So I think I just, you know, if we can kind of give people a route yeah. into an interest, then that's great. Well, it's tactile, isn't it? And at that age, year five, they're very formative years. So yes. it's a great opportunity to, to get in front of them. I think it's tangible because, you know, everybody can understand it. Their home yeah. or the place that they go to school or their, their city, what they like or don't like. Yeah. Um, so often, you know, you might have kids who are creative, they've got an artistic talent, but not quite sure from a career point of view, where do you take that? Yeah. So I think, you know, we're one route, but there are other routes. Yeah. But yeah, it's just making that, you know. Giving people options. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly growing up, architecture was quite a, an aspirational. It's, a, it's but, quite misunderstood, I think, but, but, but uh, yes. But I, to have it kind of brought to a level where it feels it's accessible to everyone is... Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big challenge. I mean, we've talked before about, you know, university fees and so on. So yeah. I think, you know, the industry is looking at how do you support people through a longer education process from different economic backgrounds. Yeah. So I think you're going to see much more uh, something akin to an apprenticeship or, yeah. you know, longer work placements. And I think that's right. You've got to kind of make these things work for people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, look, I think that's a great place to leave this. Okay, great. I think it's uh, it's been great talking with you. No, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's wrap that conversation up there. Um, thank you for joining me today, James. Uh, and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of The Construction Big Breakfast. We have a new episode every week these days, so click that subscribe button and turn your notifications on so that you don't miss any episodes. Um, And whilst you're at it, we would really appreciate a five-star review if that would be possible. Um, And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate in any other way, then visit us at invent.com. And on that note, we will see you next time. Uh, Bye-bye. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.